You're listening to Cockadoodle News on WUSC FM and HD1 Columbia. Hello, Radio Land. It is us once again. You are listening to Cockadoodle News. I will be your host, Rosie James, and we have our news team with us today, of course, as well. Hi, I'm Dylan. I'm Matthew. The news team. The Friday team we have for y'all today. Make sure you stay tuned throughout the whole show. Upcoming, we're going to be talking about chicken. We're going to be talking about dominoes. We're going to be talking about the Lakers. Not a food category, but, I mean. <laughs> it's a little switch up. We had a, we didn't have a theme. It just, it's just what happened. Um, all of that and more when we come back from this short break. As always, if you're ever listening and you have an opinion you'd like to share or if you just want to chat, you can call us at 803-576-9872. That's 803-576-WUSC. If we're busy on the air or the lines are busy, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. You can find us by searching at WUSC News. And if you'd like to get in contact with the station, we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can search at WUSCFM. We'll be right back after this. This is Namdi Asamoah. I play football for the Philadelphia Eagles, but what I do off the field with United Way might be more important. I'm a volunteer tutor and mentor. Why? Because over a million kids a year drop out of school, and that's not okay. It takes 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be me, or it could be you. Studies show that if we get to these kids earlier, their chances are better and kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. So join me in United Way. Suit up and take the pledge. Become a volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor. Because when a child succeeds, we all succeed. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Take the pledge at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way, the Ad Council, and the National Football League. Okay, here is a fun fact. Um, according to the Daily Gamecock, USCPD is looking into phasing out the emergency blue light systems here on campus. In case you don't know what I'm talking about because you haven't been on campus, um, they look kind of like giant telephone booths that you can't walk into. So, but like that's that's their size. They have nice blue lights on them, and if you are in an emergency for whatever reason, you can press the button and it will notify USEPD. Additionally, they have the feature that if you are running, um, you're being chased by someone, or you're just trying to get away, you can press every button along your path and USEPD can track you. Unfortunately, um, many of the lights on campus are broken. If you walk around campus as a student or as a casual person walking around the public university, you can notice a lot of them have those, what does it say, do not, dis do broken, don't work, caution, do yeah. something, y'all know. If you're running, it's kind of scary to be like, oh, let me hit this thing up, oh, it's not working, wow. Um, but as a way to kind of combat that, uh, USCPD did institute the Rave Guardian app, which is free on your phone. Um, which you can use now. Right now you can have both the Rave Guardian app and the blue signal box. Um, those both work. And, well, when you have a box that works. And what the Rave Guardian app does is you can contact USCPD. You can, like, send in anonymous tips. And they have 
a functionality that I believe once you leave a location, you can put in a certain time for however long you estimate it's going to take you to get home. And if you don't turn off the timer when you get to the destination or whenever the timer automatically runs out, it automatically contacts USCPD. Um, so I use that a lot <coughs> when I was lived on campus and I would walk from my dorm to the library and back at all hours of the night. Um, so it's a nice little function. Thoughts so far? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't know what would, I don't know if that's the app is an efficient replacement because personally, I couldn't really use the timer because it's Columbia, there's traffic. If I'm trying to get to a spot, right. I I doubt that, I mean, I, I think it'd come on beforehand. And I feel like the little, blue, I couldn't like text the police like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm running from a criminal while running. Like, it, I feel like that'd be hard. Like, I a button's yeah, easy. Yeah, I assume they're going to add an extra update if they phase out the lights. Um, this is not something, I guess I should preface this with, this is not something they've, they've said they're going to do. Um, they're just talking about it. Um, to fix the broken lights would require digging up the roads. The wiring, I guess, is underneath mm. the road. Yes. Um, so it would be very costly, and it would take a long time. But in my mind, also to dig up the lights and remove them, they would still have to get the wiring out from under the roads. Yeah, and then one thing I was thinking about is our campus is, like, really dark at night. And so those lights are not only good for, like, you know, the safety reasons, but it's also nice to have those extra lights, especially, like, when you're going, uh, heading towards that bridge, I'm trying to think. The Pickens? bridge, yeah, near Pendleton yeah. Street. Our campus is really dark, so those lights also help in that case. I, I understand it because depending on the funding and stuff, they might have to do it. They are they are everywhere. A lot of concerns that they, people have risen right now are students without smartphones because um, the app is free. Smartphones aren't free. Good point. Good um, point. If your phone is dead, what can you do? I have heard, though, that there is a functionality on at least iPhones where if your phone's dead, you can still dial 911, which wouldn't go to USCPD, but it would go to... I don't know how that works. I guess that's why your phone dies at like 3%. Yeah. We're almost moving to a time where you have to get with the times and get. Now, if you have like financial difficulty, that could really be a problem. But it seems like nowadays you almost have to have a smartphone. I agree. I agree with that. And also, like, I don't feel extra safe with a phone in my pocket. There's no like additional <laughs> coverage there. But if I see all these places where like, hey, something crazy happens, you can press this button and get the police. I'm going to feel a little bit safer walking back late night of campus see i'm kind of the opposite i don't like i feel safer when i have my phone or at least if my phone is charged because i know like i can very quickly i think it's like i have an iphone so i think it's like if you double tap it like three times the yeah, home button it calls, the it calls the dispatcher um or at least i know like i can like text my mom or like fake a phone call mm -hmm. if i mean not that i feel very safe on campus at night already but i mean I've never really been on campus where I've been like felt threatened, but I feel better when I have my phone with me. That's gonna be tough. I know whenever uh, I did like transfer orientation here, what they did was like the security, I guess the police guy, the head of the police department over USC, like brought a lot of attention to those lights. So I don't know what he's gonna talk about now when as it comes to uh, as far as uh, the lights. I guess it'd be like make sure everybody get your phones out and let me show y'all what to do next. Yeah, how to use the Rave Guardian app. Um, the other big concerns are the costs of removing the lights and would it be more expensive to remove them to than to just fix the broken ones? Because not all of them are broken, but 
Oh, yeah. I don't know. The tuition might be going up, guys, so <laughs> let's stay ready. Well, I mean, we already have infrastructure problems, so, I mean, it's nothing new. Let's just let's fix roads and uh, these blue things. Let's fix everything. Fix them at the same time. They, I've been noticing at least, like, potholes near my house have been fixed very recently. Um, they've been working on it. I've seen people – well, I haven't seen people out there, but I've seen the the patches in the road. I guess they're trying to get on all that stuff. So they're probably – the complaints box is probably, like, filling up at these offices. So it's like, let's go ahead and get to work. Speaking of South Carolina, um, fun fact, the state needs help finding the best fried chicken spot um, in South Carolina. Last year um, – Thrillist named Charleston's Martha Lou's Kitchen as one of the best fried chicken restaurants in America and the best spot in South Carolina. Um, so you can search their article and go vote. They said that they'll even take a really good case for a fried chicken chain. Bernie's is pretty good over there by the stadium. I don't know if that's on the list or not. Maybe I should go and see if I can add it or something. But I know that get a lot of votes around here. Yeah, I really like this place called uh, Prosser's. It's a uh, shout-out to Merle's Inlet. Um, no one has probably heard of it, but it's just a little small buffet place that makes amazing fried chicken. I, I, I haven't had enough fried chicken in Columbia or other or Char- um, Charleston or bigger places to really, you know, be a big judge on that. But, yeah, uh, Prosser's is pretty good. You know where my mom really likes? Where? She likes Food Lion. Really? We have a Food Lion. I'm pretty sure that's it. But, yeah, it's a grocery store. And she and my sister will run in because we have one right near my house um, and get fried chicken. Depending on who's working in the department, sometimes those people bring it in their own. I mean, obviously, Food Line has a recipe. Maybe they throw a little extra sugar, yeah. whatever the case may be. I know. Fried chicken. Who knew? Is it just me or is KFC fried chicken pretty terrible? I also don't like KFC. Yeah, fried I don't eat it anymore. Like, whenever, you know, there's a funeral and everybody goes, I guess, for the repass, it's KFC. Like, yeah, I'll just get some later. Um,. Yeah, I feel like I also I don't like Bojangles' chicken either for the same reason. I love their recipe and I love the seasoning, but I feel like it's very crusty for me. There's a lot of breading on there and not as much chicken. Um, but if I could have like if I could have Chick Fil A's chicken on a Bojangles biscuit, <laughs> we're cooking we're cooking with peanut oil there. Let's let's go. That's I only go to Bojangles really for the chicken supremes, but yeah, and the fries or whatnot. But and did you hear? I think some place up north is taking over ownership over Bojangles. Up north. Yeah, something like that. And so somebody explained it to me as the products will probably hopefully Bojangles don't get me for this, but the products are probably a lot cheaper now because they're looking to save as much money as possible, but they're still putting out the best product they think. You know. I like I like Bojangles, but they're more of like if I want something really sweet. I love I just had their new cinnamon biscuits, which I really like, and I also am a big Bowberry fan, but not the red, white, and Bowberry. I don't want other fruit. I just want the blueberries. Yeah, agree. I haven't actually had one of those in a while, but those are one of my favorites. But yeah, Bojangles, I personally enjoy it. Um, the seasoning for it's I think really well, but it, I mean I don't know. Bojangles is a is a go for me. Um, but speaking of fast food, uh, Domino's is uh, very prevalent in our society, and I find their history pretty interesting. Uh, a while back, you used to be able to just order their pizza, and it was normal, you know, greasy, fun, fantastic time. 
and you could actually get thick crust. Like a lot of places today, you order thick crust, and it's just the same crust as the medium, and it's very upsetting. <laughs> but back then, you could actually do it, and um, they changed their formula. I want to say probably like 2010-ish. They changed their formula, and they went for like this fancy appeal, and they tried to like just they tried to fancy pizza, which in my book is never a good thing. And I. I find that very interesting. And so what they did was after that, they had like these crust options after that that they just don't advertise. And they're really good, a lot better than like the or what they're serving now is their regular pizza. If you order hand, it's called hand pan pizza, handmade pan pizza. And it's it's not advertised well, but it's the best pizza they have. Is that different than like hand tossed pizza? It is different. This is more of like a Chicago style. And it comes in these like fancy black boxes. Not the regular white ones. It's like fancy black boxes. They're curved in. And it's, like I said, deep dish. And the sauce is richer. It's sweeter. The ingredients go better. And I'm one of those people, like, if I have a friend that hasn't had something, I'm like, what do you mean you haven't had that? Like, I will spaz out. What is with black and signifying, like, fancier products because like starbucks also has their fancy reserve coffees that come in a black bag and that's how you signify them i don't know i guess it's just something different i have no idea i didn't even think about that but that's a good point is it just sleeker is it because you have night mode on twitter like not to completely change it but yeah but it's like the darker thing is like try this yeah, out and, and apple just came out with the dark mode for the laptops and pcs oh yeah yeah i got the update gotta yeah. be honest Big fan, yeah. Big, especially fan. if your back top, if your 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 desktop background is black too, and it just big fan. But the only thing about the black Starbucks reserve bags is I have three different blends in my cabinet that have been there for like three years, but I can't tell which coffee is which coffee. I have to like flip over the bag upside down to the bottom to find Ooh. what what coffee I'm drinking. It's like coffee roulette. <laughs> I guess that's one of the only advantages of having the light one. I don't know. I haven't had Domino's in a while. They just put in a new one. Yeah, on Main Street. Mm -hmm. Um, I had it the other day. They had this crazy special where you could get two medium pizzas. And also the black box handmade um, pizza I'm talking about, you can only get it in medium. You cannot do large. It's only in medium. But with the Because you have to buy more because they know that one person can eat a medium pizza. Well, here's the thing. It's deep dish, so, like, you get filled up on it. So, like, it, it actually kind of carries its value still. And that's a very fair point. And I guess they probably want to uh, they probably want to order one size of boxes, and maybe especially right right now, and then like, whenever it becomes more popular, they'll probably add the black boxes for larges and smalls, whatever the size they are. Well, we're gonna take a quick break right now, folks. We will be back with Cockadoodle Sports when we return. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. In Richmond, Virginia, teens are measuring the heat in their neighborhoods and developing projects to cool them off. Jeremy Hoffman of the Science Museum of Virginia leads the Throwing Shade in RVA program. It began last year as a partnership with Groundwork RVA, a nonprofit that works with youth to green the city. He says the teens first experiment with models, a heat lamp, and infrared thermometers to see how roads and buildings quickly heat up in the hot sun. 
Then we actually go out on a tour of the city and we get in the big white van and drive around and then they use thermal cameras and they actually identify the surfaces that are doing that in the real world. Finally, the students design solutions. Last year, they planted three peach trees to provide food and shade. It's not enough to affect citywide temperatures, but Hoffman says the program prepared the teens to take on bigger projects in the future. We saw the students change in front of our eyes. Not only did they become advocates for health equity, climate equity in the city of Richmond, but they became better equipped to use and understand science in their lives. I think that is by far the most important impact of this work. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Fire is too wild. Get your parents' help if you are just a child. You need supervision if you want to light a candle. Right now, fire's just too much for you to handle. Don't play with matches, they're not toys. I know that fire's pretty and it makes cool noise. Explosions are cool for Antonio Banderas. But fire for kids is really dangerous. Fire back! You're listening to Cockadoodle News on WUSC-FM and HD1, Columbia. Hey, I'm Matthew Anderson with the Sports Info. There's plenty to talk about, so let's jump right into the action. The past couple days in sports have been crazy with the NBA trade trade deadline ending February 7th, which was yesterday at 3 o'clock p.m., as you all may have already known, the New, Orleans, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans did not trade Anthony Davis. This is super unfortunate for him because he really wanted out of New Orleans, and now he has to sit on a roster of guys that know he no longer wanted to be on the team and in the Smoothie King Arena in New Orleans with fans that know he no longer wanted to be their superstar. Not to mention the team took him off the pregame video show. The rest of their season is going to be super awkward. What do you all think about that? He told them he didn't want to be there, and then... Okay, so no one else wanted him? Is that why he didn't get traded? Oh, not at all. No. Oh, no. The Lakers Lakers were about to trade their soul for this guy. They were about to give picks, their young talent. They were about to give everyone for him, and basically, yeah, they weren't. the Pelicans weren't having it. They were. A lot of people think they were only listening to the Lakers' offers to mess up the Lakers and mess up their chemistry. So his team... The, the team that he's on now like just refused to trade him. You're right, because he yeah. kind of demanded out early, and he's like their star player, so that would have messed up their whole franchise. And so they're like – and then they didn't like the fact that uh, it's a bit – the Los Angeles Lakers trying to get a Pelicans guy, which is a small market team. That could really hurt the NBA overall. So they're like, nah, can't get out of here. Okay, I heard a argument that was made on Frozen Cheetos, which is another show. Y'all should go check it out. It's pretty good. Um, about the imbalance of power in sports and how like you can build super teams with this trading thing. Do you think that sports should be more balanced or is this like a good thing to be able to create, have like these like really, I want to say like crappy teams, but just like you can't, you're not as strong because you don't have as much money and you can't trade higher people. The way I feel is like this, uh, the NBA is a superstar-driven league, but sometimes superstars don't necessarily do the best thing for business or for the league. Like, because league ratings have been dropping. So if you have all the top players on one or two teams, the ratings going to drop even more when those teams aren't playing. So it's a, I actually liked it, you know, back in the day where Michael Jordan might have had the Bulls and Isaiah Thomas might have had the Pistons. And it's like, so you're going to watch each player play on their given day. 
sooner or later, I think give it maybe 10, 15 years, it's just gonna be like you're gonna watch three teams. And then if they're and it's really bad when they're a lot of them are on the West Coast because see LeBron used to be on the East Coast, so it's like we all watch at eight o'clock. But when mm-hmm. his games are at eleven o'clock, that drops ratings even more. So my take on it is just pretty much that like the players are doing what's best for them, that's selling their money. But for the overall like ratings of the league and the league in total, that's what like the GMs and stuff are supposed to be handling. Well, I don't feel the league's ever really been balanced. You bring up Michael. Uh, I'm pretty sure they won six six out of eight titles in a row uh, with the Bulls, and that's he retired in between that period. Yeah, he went to play baseball, minor league baseball with the what, White Sox. Yeah, the White Sox. So he was winning every championship he season he played, and also uh, the Celtics back in the day. I think they won 16 championships, uh, like with their conference in yeah. a row. Yeah. Um, so it's really never been balanced, and I think the problem is now it's the players that are doing it, and that's what people get upset about, that it's the players making these decisions and the, how they act above the owners. But it's a player league. I'm kind of okay with it, and also a lot of team, a lot of players, they see the Warriors and what they're doing. They're like, okay, we got to stop this. We got to band together to fight you know, this super team. So I think the league ends up kind of rebalancing itself in a certain way over time. Interesting. Interesting. Also, speaking of the Lakers, I don't know if you guys saw, but they beat the Celtics last night with the final score, 129 to 128. Rajon Rondo, the former Celtic who won the championship with the Celtics, knocked down the game-winning basket with time expiring, and the Lakers escaped Boston with the win. Yeah, that was that was a pretty <laughs> that was a pretty good game, Rondo with the clutch shot. Um, Celtics have been interesting, uh, very uh, very talked about publicized because they're supposed to be doing a lot better than they are i mean they're still they're still top five in the eastern conference but that's not really saying much because it's the eastern conference but a lot of people are expecting more out of them people are wondering how everyone's going to fit in gordon hayward how he's going to fit in how jalen brown i believe is on the bench right now even though he helped lead his team to a deep uh, deep playoff run last year. So it's interesting to see how they're going to work themselves out. And that is not helping him with the brand. In other news, Harrison Barnes was traded while he was playing Wednesday against the Hornets. Could you guys imagine entering the game as a Dallas Maverick and finishing the game as a Sacramento King? I mean, it's like, I guess, in the middle of the game, well, obviously, when you come off, it's like, call up the real estate agent. It's time to pack up the bags and head out to California. Okay, I have a question. Do the players get a say in who they're traded to, or can they just do it without their consent? Yeah, you could just be traded, especially if, uh, like, the only time you can necessarily choose is whenever you're a free agent. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, yeah, they could trade you around. It's just a lot of times, you know, if you're one of the top players that you don't get to, uh, if you're one of the top players, they're not going to trade you right right away, just out of nowhere, because you're a big asset to them. You bring ticket sales and stuff. That would be so sad. Like, especially to be, like, a family of a player, like, just have to, like, uproot, like, Huh. It's a good thing I don't. I'm not like dating anyone who has, who has aspirations. I mean, my my boyfriend doesn't play sports, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that would be like it'd be nice because you know, you like to live very comfortably, but like that would really suck. Yeah, I think like Case Keenum played on like 21. He's the NFL 32 teams, right? I think he played on like 21 teams in one year. It was a, it was excessive, and his wife is like she's become a professional Packer. Because she's constantly picking up, packing up, coming here, packing, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'd be so sad. But now he's got a three-year deal and with the Broncos. I believe the Broncos, He has a three-year yeah. deal with the Broncos, so I think for right now they're pretty comfortable. All right. 
Well, that wraps up our show. Make sure that you stay tuned. We have some special treats coming up. Uh, Monday, we will have an interview with Women to Women. World Radio Day is coming up on February 13th, and the Cinderella Project is also launching, so we'll have them on to discuss that. Uh, before we leave, we have some quick news happening on campus. If I can get this to load. Um, uh, most notably, the Carolina Beautiful NEDA walk is happening this Saturday, February 9th from 10 to 12.30 p.m. on Green Street. You can check online for their pricing. The walk is used to spread awareness and educate about the impact of eating disorders and help create a community of caring advocates. Student Health Services is pairing up with South Carolina Eating Disorder Association to bring the walk to the Carolina community. You can learn about more about why they walk and help support the difference by going online to se.edu backslash calendar where you can also check out more on-campus events. We'll see y'all again on Monday from 6 to 6.30 or sooner if you check us out on Facebook or Twitter. Bye! This has been Cockadoodle News on WUSC. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 6.30 p.m.